0: Welcome to Global Minnesota podcast, connecting, informing and engaging Minnesotans with the world and exploring important international issues. For a complete list of programs and to join us, visit GlobalMinnesota.org.
1: Hello everybody and welcome back and thank you for joining us today on this special International Day of Education. UNESCO has given us a theme for the year and theme for the day, which is recover and revitalize education for the COVID-19 generation. And we're looking at all aspects of education throughout life in lots of different ways. And we're focusing in this hour on how has this pandemic impacted international exchange and international education, are building of relationships and contexts and connections across borders and around the world. And I am so thrilled to have the CEO of Global Ties, which is the national association that our own organization, Global Minnesota, works with. And Catherine Brown as CEO and president is the person who has helped guide and keep moving and moving forward our professional exchange programs that come out of our US government, the State Department and other places as well. Catherine has been an inspiration to all of us around the country every week with ideas, suggestions, things that she's done and her whole team has done. But she also has an overview of what's happened to international exchanges in this period What has been the creative responses and how will this change things going forward? So I wanna welcome Catherine Brown.
0: Global Ties U.S. is a nonprofit partner of the State Department. We're celebrating 60 years this year. And mainly we focus on supporting community-based members across the country, right? but also um, across, you know, worldwide. that are dedicated to international exchanges. And here in the US, more than 80 of our members are local hubs for global issues. They focus on building trust within their communities and also between the United States and the world. So we're very privileged to support them Ensure they have the resources, the skills they need to be successful professionals, but also to identify new exchange opportunities for them to really create what we see as being the infrastructure for public diplomacy within the United States.
1: Great. So this year, um, everybody knows plane travel came to a halt. Lots of other things got stopped, and global ties got thinking and partnering and people all over the country and around the world began coming up with new ideas. What's your perspective on that? How'd that go? How'd we do?
0: So initially, you know, back in March, as all of us experienced, there was just a pause in activity and a pause in programming. Um, The State Department made a call to do that. It was, of course, the right call. Um, And our community-based members just showed incredible resilience and innovation, they they got creative and they really wanted to ensure that they kept their communities connected to the world. Some moved their speaker programs online, some took advantage of, of the downtime and developing new programs to reach out to alumni um, from old programs and reconnect, which is really critical to keep conversations going. That's been something that we've been really wanting to improve in years past is how do we stay connected with alumni who've come through the United States and experienced our cities and communities. And this provided an opportunity and our network just jumped on it. They also just, they doubled down on their commitment to building trust between the world and the United States through national exchange while we were physically separated. So they were able to move, um, the State firm was able to move exchange programs online, that took some time. Um, but but really saw an opportunity to leverage the virtual environment to create these more two way sustained dialogues. And that enabled um, communities across the country to exchange their concerns, their anxieties, their hopes and also solutions with um, international leaders around the world to really understand how is this global pandemic which is affecting all of us being uh, approached. You know, um throughout africa throughout europe throughout asia throughout south america and really like build this these bonds during a really stressful time for the world and so and really, and it really it just afforded an opportunity to to really deepen relationships that were cultivated the last few years and and to give hope and to connect make sure that their communities were staying connected Um, I think also the other thing that is really important because we are a very large community (laughs) with um, our network is that we were able to rethink our work culture, I think, in really profound and important ways. Mm -hmm. Um, We were able to rethink, you know, we're in the relationship building business, but really how could we get better And looking out for each other um, as you know, in our in our teams and also in our larger community. So we I think we really bonded more as professionals um, nationwide, sharing best practices, figuring out how to adapt, you know, professionally to the virtual world, but also how does our, our workplaces adapt?
1: How do we go forward? Um, you you can feel like a national move towards more welcoming and toward mm-hmm. connecting. We learned some things. Pandemics touch nearly everybody on the planet. So what do we uh, do and where is the kind of history and culture of international professional exchange carry us forward in a really positive way?
0: Yeah, that, that's a great, great question. Well, you know, definitely this was a steep learning curve, you know, to figure this out, not just like, what is, what does exchanges mean? If we're not um, bringing people to a place, you know, how do we make that place come alive? How do we deepen conversations? And um, how do we take, uh, how do we facilitate meaningful conversations and make sure it's really, truly participatory? And I think that we're still learning that um, kind of as we go. But um, you know, in in many ways, I think we found that the virtual platforms provide just a more direct connection, you know, to Americans, whether it's because of, you know, the equalizing effect of zoom rectangles, you know, the absence of name tags and tent cards, or just the intimacy of seeing others in their living room or their basement, meeting their families. I know my one-year-old daughter has been very present for a lot of events that I've held nationwide. and in rationally, and so so that's really created a more intimate environment on its own, but also ensuring that 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 dialogue happens. You know, we we really had to practice and get better at that. And We found that, you know, it's just not a matter, it, It's especially if you're working with a group. It's um kind of that that. That serendipity of being together in a room and the corridor conversations that happen, and how people spark relationships—you have to find ways to kind of create that online, and that that takes a lot of facilitation. Um, that takes a lot of you know, moving into breakout rooms, um, a lot of creativity with icebreakers because it can be a little awkward to do it virtually. Um, but really, I think overall we've' we're, we're grateful for this new technologies and these new skills to think about how to start creating these relationships online. When it comes to professional exchanges, virtual is a great you know enhancement. It can definitely make the programs more effective. and we think that it can really um, help to, to really study the impact of the programs because mm. the the conversation can continue once participants return home but you know while we think virtual exchanges can also have a democratizing effect the access to technology is not universal first of all and we don't think that virtual programming can really replace that in person experience.
1: I know uh, in the moments a year ago in March, um, when we were all abandoning offices and all of that, some things came fairly simply. For example, moving the kind of public affairs programming and world affairs kinds of webinars. Um, and I know I was uh, skeptical about some of the other things because I'm a person person. I had the benefit of being one of those who went on uh, similar programs in Europe. Uh, I had an incredible 10th grade English teacher that took a group of us from a little tiny town out on the prairie over to study Shakespeare. And so I had that, but I also um, had the opportunity to watch uh, more than a dozen of the medical leaders, uh, ministers of health or the heads of their COVID response from island nations of the Pacifics, get to speak directly to the senior people at the Mayo Clinic about the 70-some trials that they were doing and were getting information that they could see in that moment, that they could save lives and they could probably not have been able to ever leave their islands to come to Rochester, Minnesota for that kind of thing. But exchange happened and relationships were built and 10 years and 20 years from now, lives will have been saved because of that. So your your work in helping us keep going also has given us new ways of maybe even evaluating our impact and evaluating uh, because, you know, explaining to the world. Catherine, you've had a special role uh, in the State Department before you came to Global Ties in public diplomacy. And I've noted that many of the new people coming to the State Department have put public diplomacy into a whole new level of priority. I think maybe our new UN ambassador said something like, goodbye to gunboat diplomacy, hello to gumbo. Diplomacy. Now that's, you know, we really love cultural diplomacy here and we think this is, is a really great thing. How do you see some elevated attention to public diplomacy playing out in terms of global ties and all of the groups' um, ability to, you know, engage a more diverse, a larger, a uh, younger, you know, how can a new climate in Washington give us the ability to really come out stronger?
0: Mm-hmm. That's a great question. So I I first want to commend uh, the foreign service officers at the State Department. I know there's a lot of talk about, you know, new administration, new leadership, um, but really that the heart and soul of um, what keeps official U.S. public diplomacy going is our foreign service. Um, because what... They see their job as building relationships, building alliances in the countries you know in which they serve, and really trying to inspire and motivate, and also um, support emerging leaders in those countries, no matter the field. Um, you know, it could be journalism, it could be politics, it could be climate science. You know, with with a peer network of Americans, and also with the skills that they need while also you know, helping them learn um, about America at a more multidimensional level. And so, so I think the Foreign Service has done a wonderful job um, maintaining really critical programs along with um, bipartisan congressional support, um, knowing that the world is based on relationships, it's international relations and that it's it's international affairs is not transactional. So nurturing these relationships is critical and and we've been we've been lucky to have bipartisan support to do that but i really think the foreign service has done a tremendous job keeping these programs going especially the last year um with covid you know they're the ones that ensure there are more resources available to make this virtual pivot um, for the Global Ties Network, to keep the International Visitor Leadership Program alive and other programs too. But with an incoming administration, yes, I think there's going to be a higher premium on our soft power. Um, I think, you know, and trying to figure out how to leverage that soft power um, with public diplomacy tools, I think is going to be more of a focus we know, or you know, I, I anticipate and kind of where the Global Ties Network is going because what we do is to align with the US foreign policy goals. We want exchanges to be seen as a critical tool in building relationships to advance uh, foreign policy missions. And we know that there's going to be a very strong focus on diversity, equity, and inclusion. Um that and that this is something that that we care deeply about at global ties and are going to be working more with our network on um, and making sure that you know our network reflects America, that when the world comes to to visit us in um, in Minneapolis, you know, in Sacramento, in Columbia, South Carolina, in San Antonio, Texas, you know that they that they see they see America, they see the richness of our diversity, and so that's something that we really want to to work on. and we, and we anticipate a lot of um, program tours um, to be coming through along that theme as well on justice and activism, um, and ensuring um, working towards you know more diverse workplaces, more cultures. I think what we're also anticipating is that there's going to be a more, you know, a larger emphasis on climate change. Um, And and so we're, you know, definitely that's going to be an area of focus for the international visitor leadership program, the professionals that come through, but also, um, you know, a policy issue really that we want our network to learn more about. And then I think also just, um, you know, the focus on alliances, which is what our network it's built to do is nurture those alliances, to build critical relationships, to build that trust um, in the United States, to get to know us in a complex way, um, to you know, and and to change the framework in which people process and understand the United States. That's that's what we do. So I, I see us, our network, as really moving forward to align with an incoming Biden administration's foreign policy, pulse you know, foreign foreign policy priorities quite well. Um, and that that we'll be doing all that we can, starting with our national meeting in a couple months.
1: Well, you know, we've had this opportunity to partner on many different things, but this year, this past year and right now, we're partnering to make sure that um, young ambassadors are found who will be part of our US Pavilion, which the State Department is putting together at the big Dubai Expo coming up this coming October. their theme, Connecting Minds, Creating the Future, just probably couldn't be more carefully and perfectly chosen, um, but also uh, cultural performers. And so Global Ties has a critical role in making that U.S. Pavilion be that representation of our nation, want
0: We have the honor of supporting the USA Pavilion and to recruit the citizen diplomats, the youth ambassadors, at the pavilion, the pavilion really is a public diplomacy platform. It's an opportunity for millions, which we're expecting—I um, think the highest audience ever for a world's fair for an expo—to to come to Dubai, who who may never actually come to the United States. So this will be um, this will be a a very a, a huge opportunity for us to reach. Audiences that we normally wouldn't be able to. So, the the youth ambassadors, we're looking for 75, um, 18, I believe it's between 18 and 29 year olds. That will be guides to the pavilion. Um, we definitely are looking for um, a diverse cohort that can reflect America and also um, those who can speak critical languages, you know, like Mandarin, Arabic. Um, Hindu, Urdu, um other languages, we're expecting a high volume of visitors to really connect with the visitors, um to really show them that the cultural diversity that does exist within the United States, because we know that that is something that can be very surprising. you know when when people come to United States and they see others who speak their language. And and have that respect for their heritage, and so uh, so we're looking for youth ambassadors to speak critical languages. Although that is not completely a disqualifier if you don't. So um so we encourage and welcome all applications. Um please go to our website uh, www.globaltiesus.org. Um and, and what we're also looking for are cultural performers, a uh, wide range of performers. Uh, they can be artists, dancers, musicians, chefs, um, spoken word, poets, um, athletes. Uh, we're looking for, again, that incredibly rich diversity that we have within our country that reflects so many um, wonderful aspects of our society and can really truly connect with, with foreign audiences and and show them what America is. So, so there's also a cultural performers uh, application
1: Well, and I might add, for those of us in a northern climate, that this is from October of this year uh, until the end of March. We would call that winter here in Minnesota. And this makes it uh, of interest, especially to people who want to experience another culture, another climate, but also to have that opportunity to represent our nation. And uh, you and I first met when you were in the State Department and we were working on the bid to bring one of those World Expos here to Minnesota. We are working hard to bring one here in 2027. And how we are presenting ourselves in Dubai and around the world is the factor that will really create the kind of welcoming climate and openness for the world to come visit us in Minnesota. And I think that's the bottom line that International exchange has been understood as a way to build world peace through communication and understanding. It is something that um, we as a nation have been really in the forefront and very proud of. And Catherine, you've led that from inside the State Department. Now you're leading that from our national organization that keeps us all going. I want to thank you personally for inspiring us, giving us the kind of creativity, the kind of courage, the kind of ideas, but also your thinking about the individuals and the way that we are keeping ourselves whole as we go through this period into a new phase. So. Thank you so much for joining us here today. Thank you for keeping international exchange strong during a really challenging time. And thank you for your inspiring ideas today that get us all thinking, here we go, it's gonna better, we're gonna build back better and that's what we're doing. Thank you again.
0: No, thank you so much, Mark. And thank you for your leadership of global Minnesota during these tumultuous times. You're a leader in our community-based member network, and we're really grateful for the inspiration that you've given us. Thank you.
1: Thank you. Goodbye now.